0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. My dear sisters and brothers in Christ, it has become the largest and most common mental illness in the U.S. Any guesses? Would you be surprised to learn that it is anxiety disorder? I was, not because I'm under some sort of impression that anxiety is a rare thing among people in the U.S., I I guess I was just more surprised to hear that it's actually categorized as a mental illness. I kind of just sort of thought it was something that we all had to deal with, in varying degrees, no doubt. But those degrees are apparently growing at an alarming rate. The most recent statistics I was able to find state that nearly 20% or roughly 40 million Americans struggle with severe anxiety. That percentage jumps up to 50. If you just look at young people between the ages of 18 and 24. It's shocking when you look at the numbers. But I think it's even more concerning when you realize that this isn't just some dry academic exercise that looks uncaringly at statistics and numbers. No, it's anything but that. This is what we just heard the Apostle Peter call your anxiety. It's having a, miss, a list a mile long of present and future concerns that are all yours. It's the general sense that you get in the pit of your stomach that something can and probably will go wrong at any moment. It's anxiety that can come close and be very specific, and it's anxiety that can simply remain general and ever-reaching. It's the tension that comes after swirling uncertainties nestle down into your heart. It's the waves that roll over and emotionally consume you. Waves that seem to have the power to suffocate even the deepest breath that you try to take. It's anxiety that has its roots for us in the unsettling idea that says, God, don't you even care? And so because anxiety comes after us, St. Peter, writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes after anxiety. Strangely though, he goes after it As one of his first things, the things of his most important things, but he does it by making it one of his last things. You see, the words that we read in our second scripture reading from 1 Peter 5 are actually the closing words of Paul's letter. It's the last thing that he says in his letter. And so you think to yourself, I thought the first things were always first. Don't you state the most important things right up front? Sure, there's a great deal of of truth to that. And we actually see this a lot of times play out in the Bible, where the most important matters are addressed first. But it's also true sometimes that the first things come last. Because that's how communication worked in the first century. You see, Peter's letter was one that he wrote and sent that would have been received and then read out loud in public. You see, they didn't have copiers or Twitter accounts or Facebook pages where they could mass send out their messages. No, they had reading it out loud in public. And so that's what they did. And when you read something out loud, sometimes the last things are the things that stick with you the most. You see, when Peter wrote these words, he wasn't thinking to himself, hmm, you know, let me squeeze in a couple lesser points at the end just to sort of wrap this up now that I've covered the bigger and more important stuff. No, Peter would have been thinking to himself, how do I make these truths memorable? What can I say that's going to stick with the people who hear these words. And in the text that we just heard, we have Peter's answer. Sometimes the last things are the first things. So Peter talks about anxiety last in his letter, so that the message will be first in our minds. And here's what he says. Cast all your anxiety on God, because He cares for you. That's a first things passage. A lot of you, probably from childhood, have had to memorize that passage. But a lesser known verse is the one that comes right before it, which actually beautifully sets it up and even better helps us understand what it means. Just before this, Peter wrote, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Do you see the connection between the two? Sometimes God's mighty hand in our lives can make us feel pretty low. Sometimes a life situation comes along that just straight up knocks you down and out. A bill comes due, a big one. Your health starts to fall apart. Someone who was once close to you deeply hurts you. You suffer a loss in your life that you have no idea how you are ever going to get over. And when this happen, when this happens, God's mighty hand can feel pretty heavy on top of you, slowly pressing you down, or worse, you can feel like that hand is completely absent in your life altogether. And what follows those kinds of thoughts and feelings is more times than not a vicious case of anxiety. This is how I've noticed it happens in my life. Maybe this will sound somewhat familiar to you as well. God's hand feels heavy on me in a number of different ways, but you manage. You have to. This is what we all do. But then something bigger comes, and finally I crack. And on the surface, we convince ourselves that the crack can even be a good thing. It gives us laser focus, and you commit more than ever to owning the moment. You take it on, you muscle through it every way that you possibly can, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. You work hard to own the problem. To the point that you convince yourself that you're gonna have to fix the problem. And maybe you even start to think that you actually can. Because after all, if you don't fix it, who will? That's anxiety. Anxiety is me owning all the responsibility and care for myself and my life. And yet what appears to be a very mature, grown-up approach to life can very easily and quickly sink into me viewing myself as if I am my own God. We don't do it because we're atheists. We don't do it because we don't believe there's a God. It's that deep down we're worried And even if we never actually say this out loud, we're worried that God isn't powerful enough to help. Or if he is, that he simply just doesn't care enough to help. Anxiety is the temptation to say, God, I'm not sure you can help with this one. Or maybe you just don't want to. That's what it boils down to. Because honestly, if God can help and has the desire to help, then what in all the world is there for us to be afraid of? So instead of dealing with anxiety God's way, we take the ultimate responsibility by believing deep down that either A, God isn't good, or B, God can't help. Which are both beliefs by the way, that goes straight to the heart of faith and of the gospel and it runs a knife right through him. And Peter got that. He felt anxiety's sting and he knew its power. And before we dig deeper into what Peter tells us to do, I want you to know what he did. You see, he stared at his sick mother-in-law. That's the account that we heard in our Gospel reading from Mark 1. Simon's mother-in-law. Simon was his name before it was changed to Peter. He stared at his mother-in-law, helpless to do anything. But he knew the eyes of his family were on him to do something. He knew the emotional pains and needles of wondering, how am I going to continue to provide for my family? He must have thought about that. How many of those mornings did he come off of the Sea of Galilee after a long night of fishing with an empty boat and empty nets? He knew the cold sweat that anxiety put on him as he sat around that fire during Jesus' trial. Unwilling to even acknowledge that he knew his teacher, let alone do anything to help or rescue him. And despite Peter's massive amounts of experience and expertise on the open water, he knew what it was like to look down and think that a watery grave was starting to swallow him up when the Sea of Galilee turned violent. And you know what he finally eventually learned to do in all of those situations? You know what happened between the time that Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven and and some 30 years later when Peter finally writes this first letter? Peter stopped looking at himself for the solution and instead he turned to God's word and promises. He must have. That's the only thing that can explain why he could write what he writes here. You know what he does? As he writes the word, he believes and he quotes the word. Because that is what we have to do in life. This is how God equips His people to deal with anxiety. God gives us promises in His Word so that we would believe Him. So that we use them. So that they rise to the forefront of our minds over and over again. God's promises aren't treasures that we put under lock and key deep down in our hearts that we can only handle with white gloves on a Sunday morning in a high and holy place like this. God's promises are made to get hauled out, especially in our darkest, messiest, and murkiest situations. They're meant to be pulled out and put right in front of our faces, even more than we put our phones or any sort of screen in front of our faces. And so that's what Peter did when he was anxious. He dug out the words of Psalm 55, verse 22. That was brought to the forefront in his mind because it was rooted deeply in his heart. And he said to himself, Cast your anxiety on the Lord and he will sustain you. Peter didn't come up with those words on his own, he quoted a psalm with a twist. You see, with some additional understanding, by by making it clear to us just how big of a promise this really is that God makes to us. And did you catch how he did that? He broadened it to be all-encompassing and perfect. He says, cast all your anxiety. In fact, if you read the command as Peter originally wrote it, the first word he uses here is all which tells you a whole lot. All anxiety is to be cast. You see, what that means is God's interests isn't limited to what we feel is justified in feeling anxious about. Here's what I mean by that. God's interest is so much greater because there is some anxiety that we see in our lives, isn't it, where we just try and brush it off? We're almost kind of embarrassed to talk to people about it. We're like, I'm so anxious about this thing, but it's so tiny and so small and so minute and so not a big deal, and yet I'm just struggling with it. I just need to find a way to get over it. Yeah, even those. God wants. You see, whether we we think it's justifiable or not, whether we think that anxiety is explainable or not, God wants it. Peter says God wants every massive worry and every little nitpicky anxiety. He wants it all. That's when the action comes. Peter tells us to cast them. Which when you think about it, fits so perfectly for someone like Peter, right? Peter was a fisherman. Peter was the guy who spent the majority of his life before he met Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. You can almost kind of see him saying these words as he's casting a net out onto the lake. Watching it sink down until it's gone. It's thrown into the depths of the sea. Peter says, every anxiety, all of them, they're cast, they're gone. That's just an amazing picture. It's perfect, it's beautiful, it's so Peter. Cast and leave to God. At least that's what I first thought when I saw these words and wrestled with them this week. I I thought of Peter's idea of casting, but I learned something else. Casting here is even more of a beautiful picture. It's even more compelling and clearer than that one simple word. While cast is a powerful action, it's not really emphasizing the cast. It more emphasizes where it lands, I mean, think about that story when the disciples go out to fish and all night they're throwing their nets out and then Jesus comes walking on the shore the next morning and he says, what are you guys doing? And they said, we've been fishing all night but we haven't caught a single thing. And Jesus says, it's because you've been casting in all the wrong places. Take your net and cast it over there and you'll find fish. You see, this verb of casting isn't just about the action. The disciples had been casting all night long. It's even more so about where you are doing the casting. It's about casting in the right place and on the right thing. Because the word cast really is talking about a transfer of responsibility. When you cast something, you transfer the final moral and legal responsibility to another party that isn't you. You see what that means? It means that God not only wants us to toss our anxieties off of ourselves, He actually wants us to transfer them to Him, to transfer responsibility, cast it. Let go and let God. Say it however you want, and we cast onto God for a very pure and perfect gospel reason. Cast all of your anxiety on Jesus. Why? Because He cares for you. Does it get any more simple than that? Does it get any more beautiful than that? There's no big medical or doctrinal treatise about the dangers of anxiety and all of its ill effects. There's no in-depth presentation about the gospel here hoping that Peter can convince a couple of people to finally let go of a couple of things. Because Peter knows that sometimes when the waves of anxiety are rolling in, what you need is something that is just short And simple and clear. Something that is going to be brought to the forefront of your mind because it's deeply rooted in simplicity in your heart. You just need to know that God cares for you. You just need to know that God has a hold of the reins of your life and will make the final say. You just need to be told sometimes, stop worrying. And I'm saying this to myself, even maybe more so than I'm saying it to anyone else here this morning. Stop worrying. Your anxiety is trying to tell you that God isn't interested in your problems. And there isn't a single shred of evidence that that is true. Because He cares for you. But you know what the best part of all of this is? You see, this this gospel reason that Peter gives us of why we can and should and must cast our anxieties on God, this gospel reason has historical guts. This isn't just God being sentimental. He's not patting you on the head and telling you, hey, it's going to be okay, I got you. And as nice as that sounds, this isn't God trotting out some nice, sugary statements that aren't really true because He just wants to get us through the day and on to another one. No, this is a gospel reason with historical guts. Let me tell you about the God who says He cares for you. He's proven it. This isn't a God that was just sitting up in heaven looking down at the mess and murkiness of this world and seeing you in the middle of it and saying to himself, you know what? Someone should really go down there and do something about this. No. He came down. He did something. He made it all okay. He came down into the chaos of my sin and your guilt and he made perfect sense of all of it through His cross and empty tomb. But He didn't stop there. He made sure that He got that truth into your life. He entered your world so that before what before seemed so random and anxious, He guided and controlled and governed everything so that here in this moment, I could say to you, God came in Christ to rescue you. And now you belong to him and he to you. All of you. Anxieties included. Because he cares for you. There's nothing sentimental or cliche about this. This is gospel truth with historical guts. This God says he cares. And he has the resume, the power, and the compassion to back it up. He'll do it, care and act, love and protect, govern and deliver. That's why we can do what Peter says here. To take every anxiety, every worry, and every concern, and to cast it, to throw it, to chuck it, to hurl it, to pitch it, whatever term you want to use, just don't carry it yourself anymore. Transfer the responsibility to the one who is strong enough and cares enough to have it. Your God. And then live your life. Love your neighbor. Work hard. And let God be God. And you can let him. He can handle it. He cares for you more than you can imagine. Jesus is the proof. Brothers and sisters, do life that way. I'm not telling you to not have anxiety, because anxiety will continue to attack you. I'm telling you to stop being content living with it. So sit in that emergency room and cast. Take that exam for school and cast. Go to that job interview and cast. Stare at that dwindling checking account and cast. Think about your kid's future And cast, feel the pain of a guilty conscience and cast, cast, cast. Transfer all of that responsibility to God because He cares for you. Stop treating the promise like it's only meant to be trotted out on Sunday mornings. Get it out and into your life. Get it out when it's darkest and messiest and most awful. Bring it to the forefront of your mind. Put it on the tip of your mouth and at the center of your heart again and again all day, every day, if you have to. God invites you to do it. And he's given you every historical gospel reason to listen. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In Jesus' name, amen.